Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Keaton Kaufman grew up in Bryan College Station, Texas. And after finding an old Alvarez guitar in his mother's closet, his mom taught him a handful of chords and he found his passion. He was an elite gymnast who became a national champion and practiced his guitar on his travels to events and during his college years at the University of Texas in Austin. He formed a critically lauded rock band, the 71s, in Houston that was categorized as Christian rock, but perhaps was mostly rock. And the band parted ways in 2012, and he began his solo career. His first album in 2016, Killer Eyes, focused on the beauty found in the grit of hard work, and it received strong trade press reviews. It was then that Keaton suffered a mental setback. He had been diagnosed with bipolar 2 and obsessive compulsive disorder in high school, and the diseases re-emerged in his life and set him back. He sought treatment and openly talks about his road to recovery, and he kept writing songs. It is these personal songs from the Heartland Rocker that formed his new album, Hard Times. The rocking songs from this album are rooted in his childhood experiences growing up in Bryan and College Station. Welcome to Backstory Song. I am your host, Doug Burke, and today I am thrilled to hopefully introduce you to an artist who I think is going places and I want you to listen to his sound. If you have not heard his music or are a fan of his, I hope you become one because of this episode, because he needs more fans and deserves more fans. He writes great, great songs, and his name is Keaton Kaufman. Keaton, welcome to our show. Doug, thank you so much for having me. I'm a huge fan of the show. I learned about it through Blue Water Highway, and you got a great program here. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Our goal is to help people discover music that they should listen to um, and guide them through that journey of music discovery. So Keaton, you started your career in another band, the 71s, which was a totally, totally different direction from your solo work a long, long time ago, maybe it seems like. And, um, (laughs) And that was kind of like a punk Christian group. Yeah. To give a full but short description, when I was 20, I met who would become my best friend and probably lifetime partner in music. He was a guitar player. He started recording my music. I became a worship leader in Houston. He helped me continue to write and record music. We started a band called The 71s, and we kind of had an interesting road finding our place because we're both people of faith, but we didn't feel the need to evangelize as some people use that term or sort of inject 
religion into our music. We just like playing rock and roll in clubs and drinking beer and jumping off amplifiers. So those worlds collided, but we liked that a lot. I don't think we were very good. We may have had our moments, but uh, we had fun learning. The gift of the 71s to me was Ryan Cecil, who uh, also has a studio now called Golden Gnome Studios. He and I learned how to make our own records. So the sound is gone, but it was a gift because we became do-it-ourselfers kind of people. So So you've had a bunch of independent albums now, Killer Eyes, and the new one is called Hard Times? That's right. So solo-wise, I started releasing my own music in 2016, full-length Killer Eyes, in between now and Hard Times, some singles here or there, which I'm sure we'll kind of talk about why there was a gap. This album is something I'm more excited about than anything I've ever made. It's called Hard Times, and in part, I've watched other interviews of yours and listened to the music. You have experienced some hard times, and very specifically, you've been very open in your biography about having some mental health issues. And I want to say, you say your music is inspired by Bruce Springsteen, among others. And Bruce, in his biography, Born to Run, is very open about his battle with mental health. And I don't know if you've read that biography, but I would encourage you to, because he talks about how- Actually, actually he signed it for me. I got to meet him. Oh, did he? he gave me the book. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt, but I couldn't help myself. Keep going. Oh yeah, page to page. So you, you understand what I'm saying, that you know, it was almost at the height of his success that he encountered a mental health battle and sought out help and encourages others to seek out help. So tell us about your- mental health journey and maybe some of our listeners can take something away from it and how that relates to this new album, Hard Times. Okay, great. I'm willing to dive as deep as you want to go, Doug. So I'll just kind of, you know, give you short answers. And if you want to expound, feel free. You're, you're the pro, but mental health is a interesting condition, whether you have some anxiety or, you know, I I have bipolar two and OCD. There's a genetic element to it, so you can kind of see it run through your family tree. There's also a lifestyle and a behavioral and a habit element that can kind of trigger or feed it. At the same time, you know, medically, I think even the the greatest physicians in the world will tell you it's a very uh, infantile stage of medicine. You just, we don't know a lot about neuroscience. What I know is just my story. So I want to be real clear. What I'm about to say, I'm not prescribing anybody. I'm not diagnosing anybody. It's very important. But, you know, when I was younger, my parents just noticed that I, I, you know, I kind of had some struggles. I got diagnosed with OCD, lifestyle, sports, music, diet, medicine. They all came together in a really great healing way. And uh, it went away. I mean, I got a hundred percent better. It never quite goes, it never leaves you, but it, it became completely, it's not a part of my day anymore. And then in college, it kind of came back with some depression and then it went away. And then it, so it, it was this ebb and flow in my life. The biggest episode I've ever had came about three years ago where it woke like a monster in the night. It literally just came out of nowhere, and I was diagnosed as someone with bipolar 2. 
basically what that means is, you know, you have some real heightened seasons of energy. (laughs) When I mean heightened, I mean, I would write 10 songs in two weeks. Like, boom, just the creativity is lightning. It feels so good. And then you would experience this crash where your energy level is so low that it's almost, it's not, not even almost, it is physically painful. You almost feel as though your mind has turned on itself. It's a dark place. And luckily, I have a family who is so supportive and understanding of medical help. I have a pastor, you know, I just have a great support system. When it all kind of scooped out and I really leveled out and you have to work at it. It's a lifestyle thing. I still come back to that for myself. You can't will it out of your life, but you can help sort of, you know, put yourself in a good, I think, I think I'm being clear here what I'm saying, right? Good habits, good lifestyle. So I'll move on. So when that happened, I looked back and I'd continued to write music throughout it. And what I thought were going to be some pretty throwaway songs, I sat with them and I realized this is great material. Now, am I willing to be honest in sharing these songs? I don't know yet. Am I willing to share why these songs are? I don't know yet. And after some time, I really decided, yeah, that's something I I want to do. And I want to make the record sound like this season I went through. I want to make it feel like what I felt. And my hope is that you know, it'll, it'll, it'll bless somebody in a variety of ways, whether it's just helping you drive to work <laughs> or maybe it's uh, helping you tap into something that you can't quite put words to. So, yeah, that's hard times. Let's talk about one of the songs that you've written, Wounded Heart, because this is an emotional song, and I imagine this experience for you was an emotional journey. I mean, songwriting is, by definition, almost de facto an emotional journey. Tell us about where the inspiration for Wounded Heart came from. 
So, you know, wounded heart's kind of kind of interesting because if you if you heard it and you didn't know what I just told you, you just think it's a guy who loves John Mellencamp and wants to go out and dance on a Friday night. And it is, man. I think that's good too. I think that's kind of how life, you know, works. You're always holding struggle in one hand and you're holding hope in the other. And we all have different words for whatever those things are. Maybe it's just stress and happiness, but you're always holding that. And in the middle, that tension, well, that's what good music comes out of. Wounded Heart, that's what I'm, I'm hoping people feel. I like to write in characters. Maybe a line or two will come out of my mind that morning autobiographically. I write at a typewriter. I just start typing stuff. But from that line, I, I kind of go, I, you know, that seems like something that this kind of person would say. I enjoy sort of using my imagination to just create this person as if I'm writing a movie, you know, or a play. Wounded Heart's about a girl who does what I did when I was younger, which is there's no Spotify, <laughs> there's no Apple Music. And if you want to hear a song that's going to save your soul, you got to stay up late and kind of huddle around the radio dial. That's what I did in College Station where I grew up and I'd turn on 1047 or 1039 FM. I would just wait and kind of be like, oh man, I really hope they play Don Henley. Or, oh my God, I hope they play Bruce Hornsby or, you know, is Bonnie Raitt going to come on or, you know, which is kind of crazy because it was like late nineties, but that's still the music that I liked. So that's who she is. The protagonist singing is a guy that loves her. He can't quite understand why she is hanging on to a guy, a different guy, who's never treated her the way she deserves. And that's the whole song. And we've all seen that story. That's what I like about your songwriting. It's, it is very cinematic, but it's cinematic in a personalized way about the human condition and relationships. And I feel like the guy doesn't get the girl, and that's why his heart's probably permanently wounded or broken in parts. And Oh, he has the wounded heart. Oh, that's really interesting. They both have the wounded heart, I think. That is awesome. I didn't intend for that to happen. And now I'm going to say it did. Yeah, that's even better. Cool. That's the way I interpreted it. I was like, man, they both have wounded hearts. Like, oh, duck. The guy longs for her, and but I don't feel like he's ever going to get her. Interesting. Okay. Maybe he will, you know? The song doesn't end to let you know. You know, maybe there's another song for you to write. Once the songs are written, they belong to the audience. They're not mine anymore. If that's how you see it, I love it. Great. Well, this does bring up a lot of questions that I regularly asked. One is, how do you know when a song is done? And maybe we can table that for a second. But I do feel like this COVID has made me interview artists who, like yourself, who I really, really want to see perform these songs live. Because I do believe there's a profound difference between the recorded version and what happens in front of an audience and how the songs evolve and the interaction with the audience. And I bet you do a great show. <laughs> Can I talk about that for a second? Absolutely. You know, everyone misses live music for a reason. Some, some miss it <laughs> financially. I miss live music because when I was at my darkest with the symptoms of bipolar 2, there's a club in town they kind of would just let me come up and open for whatever act. Like I didn't have to sell the tickets that night. I could just kind of pop in almost as if it was like a comedy club. 
The owner and I are best friends. I text him, Matt, can I get on tonight? He'd be like, yeah, Blue Water Highway's in town. They'll let you in. Boom. I'd open the set. Keaton, what's the name of the club? The club's called Main Street Crossing. Main Street Crossing in what town is it in? It's in Tomball, which if you don't know where Tomball is, it's north of Houston, just, just a hair north of Houston. And it is one of the best listening rooms in Texas. It is incredible. Okay. I got to check this club out. I am a club fanatic. Oh yeah. Got to go to Main Street Crossing. Look up that club, come to Tomball and Doug, come in July. I'll be back, man. We can come to the show. Anyway, I'd get up on stage and something about the fact that I could, you know, when I play, maybe it's a yoga kind of, I I connect with my breath a lot. And I just, all I can really think about is now, capital N-O-W. And all of the symptoms, all that I would think or feel would just disappear for about 35 minutes. I love live music. And I think that in writing some of these tunes, I would almost kind of put myself up on stage while I'm riding them and it would be a bit of a mental escape. So we like to lose a little control on stage. It's fun. So on Wounded Heart, you do this on some of your songs and I really like it. At the end, you kind of collapse the whole song down to a real low level and it's just the guitar at first and then the snare drum and then it winds back up with a B3 organ, which is throughout your album, just killer, by the way. I don't know if that was you or someone else. It was someone else on uh, all but one of them, yeah. Okay, so we can talk about that. But I'm a fanatic for the B3. And the way you use it on this album, it just nails it. So awesome use of the instrument. And oh, there's layers of Mellotron and like piano and like I lost track in some songs, not so much Wounded Heart. We're going to talk about <laughs> where you get into the layering. Yeah. Tell me about the finish, like the finish you, where you collapse it down like that on Wounded Heart. I don't know, man. You know, okay, so I have my own studio. I play keys on everything. I like programming, Glockenspiels, Mellotrons, B3s, pianos. Rhodes Pianos, World Series. So when I start, it's kind of like a painting instead of a song where it's like, okay, it needs to go verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, done. Or let's put a solo in it and you're playing it with a bunch of guys. I think I did that for so many years with a rock band. Everybody kind of needs their moment. But now I go, you know, hey, what, what if we end the movie with him looking back at her and she doesn't look back? Boom, credits it's almost like I'm getting to edit a movie and I like doing different things because, you know, there's always another song coming around. So it's become a bit of an experiment to me just to go, I don't want to make it bad. Like I don't want to make it weird, but with wounded heart, uh, yeah, perfect example. It had a verse and a chorus and a verse and a chorus, and it has this weird long solo. And then that's kind of it. And you get to hear me say a few words that, you know, well, it's getting a little harder, harder for you, harder for you. It's over. And that was, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't have a tactical explanation for those other than the fact that when they're done, I'm like, yeah, that's kind of weird and cool. I like that. We're done. <laughs> yeah. It's just an instinctual thing, huh? When it ends and you're like, okay. Because a lot of artists struggle with the beginning and the endings of songs. And you know, like. Their life's too short. You got the, you got the whole body of the song and then the beginning. 
Yeah, it's life's too short. You just make it, you throw it out there. Who, who gives a shit? You don't have that problem. No, nah, I don't care. Life's <laughs> too short. I mean, maybe I have a problem, but I don't care to acknowledge the problem. Uh, what I meant to say is my guitar player is also my producer. He is a sensational guitar player. Let, let me just say that. Like Mike Campbell from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers level. Like if you don't know who Jay Joyce is, he played guitar on a lot of the Wallflowers record. Like this guy is incredible and he hates playing guitar solos. So he's an enigma. And so when I wrote Wounded Heart, I literally was like, I'm going to make this section in the song and it can have nothing but guitars. It can have nothing but a guitar solo, no drums. And he got it and he was like, oh man, I'm going to have to play this whole thing. I was like, yeah, dude. And it's only two chords. So there's not a lot to work with. So in a way, what you're hearing is one best friend kind of sticking it to his other best friend going, yeah, you're going to have to write a guitar solo now, huh? There you go. And he did. It's killer, man. It's good. Good for you. I like it when friends push each other to new levels. It's, it's a good thing. You know, that's how great art gets made. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.
Talk about the art of being a magician. This song, which you've already released, I think, is the first single? It was the second. It came out last Friday. Wounded Heart was first. This song is one of the darker things, if not the darkest thing I've heard from you. I find it really haunting. I find it stylistically different, stylistically challenging, which I love, because I love being challenged as a listener. I found this song to be really challenging to listen to, but in a way that draws you in. That's fantastic. I, I mean, I'm honored you say that. Thank you. You get that? I mean, so what's the inspiration around this? Yeah, I mean, I, I got to be honest. This is the song that I, there are two songs on the record that I was like, I don't know if I'm going to let these out because I'm going to get a question or two about it. And these are, you know, these are under the sleeves. These, these are close to the chest. Um, magician, you know, again, I said, I, I like to write in characters, but they start in some form, you know, every art starts autobiographically, I feel. I just felt as though something that's not talked about, especially among men, is the fact that we possess the great ability to deceive the ones we love and to do it for our pleasure. I know that it even feels a little close to comfort to say that out loud. And in doing so, we even deceive ourselves that we're doing it. We like to judge from far those who manipulate or deceive don't know that we're doing things in the shadows yet at the same time i mean that's it's kind of part of the dna to some degree i'm not saying that all are guilty or it's an inflammatory part of everyone's life it's just something that honesty with the ones we love trust is something that it's just not going to come natural it's not going to come easy all the time magician is a song about a guy. That's the conversation that is said underneath what he is really saying. So you kind of get two layers to the song. You get what he's saying and the emotions behind what he's saying aren't noticed in the singing. It's actually noticed in the music. That was at least the intent is that you can feel this the gravity of what he's saying rising in the instrumentation 
while his, what he says stays conversational. And in that lies the scariness for me of how we can do that to the ones that, that we care about. That's a little heavy, I know, but... <laughs> it's a heavy song. It's not your lightest song by any means. I kind of had this sense that this guy was a pickup artist and he gets that feeling of power by the conquest of the opposite sex. And I think magicians fool the audience, but know the trick is so simple, you know, that they have this feeling of like, ah, I conned you. It's a craft. This was so easy for me to do. You don't realize how easy it was for me to fool you with my sleight of hand or the trick behind the trick. I really felt like this was some sort of pickup artist. You know, I really felt sad for him. His love is not real. No, it's not. His love is as empty as possible. Yet he's so proud of himself to be a magician, you know, to do this. I heard Springsteen once talk about his song, Born in the USA, that how misunderstood it is. And he said, it's actually not misunderstood. Uh, or he was asked, why do people love singing this song so much? And he said, well, because it is both the essence of patriotism is that you love your country and you are critical of your country. And those happen at the same time in a real person. And you think about that, oh my gosh, that's so true. And now maybe more than I've ever known in my lifetime. I love songs like that because it may not be a very singular anthem. There may be an element of examination. Magician is rooted in my love for songs like that is what I'm saying is that when I'm up there singing it, I'm not trying to call forth that thing in all of us, but I kind of have to put myself on the altar a little bit for the sake of art. But you finish this song with a over a full minute of what I have introduced as your layers of organs and pianos and mellotrons and B3s. And so tell me, it's just like this shimmering sort of groaning melody. There's a melody underneath it all, but like, so what drove that? We're going to nerd out, Doug. Are you, I, I know this is a good place for nerds because... <laughs> Because you said so. So thank you. Thank you. I feel I feel honored by the accolade. <laughs> I'm, I, I only like to go where the nerds are because I am one. OK, so, you know, in videos, you see me play guitar, but I am actually a piano player at my core. And I discovered just some different software that allowed me to. It's almost like movie score kind of stuff. I play B3, but I know a guy who is literally world-class and his name is Josh Moore. He's here in Houston. He's played on world-class records. He, he's a phenomenal producer. He's produced records from before, but he's a Suzuki level musician. He's a savant. He's incredible. So I'll, I'll, you know, I'll play organ for the demos and then I send it to Josh and he can make the thing speak. Sometimes we actually take two B3 parts and we grind them together. I and mean, then you've got all kinds. If you know anything about the B3, it's designed to work like a choir where you're playing one note, but it'll play the note and then you can move a draw bar. It'll play the note below that one. 
Then you can move another draw bar. It'll play the harmony above it and then an octave above it and then an octave above that. It's like having a choir. So you can do that. The Mellotron is an interesting instrument because it's most famous for being on strawberry fields. When it does that, we're going down, that's the Mellotron. And it was created because they needed cheap strings. You know, we need a string section, but we can't afford 18 people. So we're going to create this one keyboard. Then they created glockenspiels. Those things are just toy pianos. Well, long story short, all those instruments are sort of gone. You don't really have the chance to go to a studio unless you're well-funded and be surrounded by all these actual instruments. So I have software where I learn how to just use them and manipulate them. And honestly, (laughs) I can do it for 12 hours without taking a break. And so we walked away from Magician. I was like, this is a perfect song that we can make this guy. We can really paint a picture here and we can then let the song speak to the audience and the audience can take what they want from it. And we'll just leave it at that. The way art for me should be indulged. You get to look at that painting and you have a conversation with it and you walk away. I know you don't want to per se put the words in the audience's ear on that ending, but what emotion are you trying to capture and convey and draw out and make the audience feel when you're playing that? I don't know. I This is the one song that I feel more than anything, I feel very conduit-like. There's a lot of flow happening where it comes through me, but it's not from me. I know that gets a little spiritual, but um, there's certain songs that I sit down and it's very intentional. That's a cool feeling. I mean, I, yeah, that's why I do it. That's a cool, <laughs> cool, cool feeling that must be. So uh, yeah, I don't, I'm channeling an, uh, uh, a character and uh, it almost feels like being an actor. So I've, I've never really sat down and said, uh, this is not a sermon. This is not a speech. I'm not trying to to tell Doug something. I'm literally acting. I don't know where this character even came from. I just sort of, it's in me or it's coming through me. And um, the work, the what is in how truthful can we get it to feel? But the intention, there's literally none. And I've I've had very few songs like that where I just go, I'm, I don't intend anything other than to capture it and represent it correctly. Oh, well, let me say one thing, though. There's a chain in the song. If you listen to the percussion, so the third member of my little production trio is my drummer, Craig. He said, hey, I've got this, I think it was like a bicycle chain or something. I, it, did, it was, I'd never seen one. He was like, we're going to track this chain. He plays the chain. It's a cha- and he, what he's, he would he's do, a professional chain player. It's almost like he would throw his keys up in the air. He's a Foley artist, like a, a movie Foley artist. You know, those are the people who make the sounds that are in the movie, but they're not actually what happened in the movie. I'm telling like, you, it was so cool. He, he's the chain. He's the chain he's gang He's working on guy. the chain gang. And so we were in the control room. He's doing the thing. And I'll never forget Cecil just goes, oh my God, that's so damn cool. And then like it, it so the song should have been played with a guy on acoustic, one guy on electric, a drummer, and a bass player. Instead, there's probably like eight keyboards. There's like, I mean, there is so much junk on that song, and it and it all kind of collides in a fun way. So I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Thanks for letting me geek out a bit.
eight keyboards, one Mellotron, and one chain <laughs> on the song Magician. I think you're going to like it. Talk about let her go. Let her go. Does it start with strings or are those synthesized strings that you put on some of the beginnings of your songs? Those are real strings. They're actually, yeah, no, it's one guy. Um, and I, I forget his name now. Cause again, let her go was made like five years ago, but he lived in North Carolina. He was a friend of my producer and he just said, um, he plays a lot for the Oh Hellos. He's, he does a lot of great string work. Just send him the track and tell him kind of what you want. And I said, well, this guy wakes up in the desert. That's it. That's it. That's what I told him. I said, this guy wakes up in the desert. <laughs> that was the, that was your direction. And I said, I don't want to tell you anything else. Cool. Well, it does sound like that. Now, now I'm glad you told me that because now I'll, I'll listen to the song and it has a whole different meaning. It's it, he's waking up in the desert. Okay. Lost in the fire alone. I feel every heartbeat. 30 miles like I'm under a stone. 30 miles on the concrete. Felt like I was driving on the road, like being in a band or something. (laughs) I write a lot of songs about people chasing the ones they love or us chasing people we love because I think that love is very at least the stories that are told most of the time, love is reactionary. It must ebb as it flows for it to exist. But that's not how love works. That's not how we're created as people. We're brought forth into this world from love that we didn't initiate or ask for. My personal faith sort of looks at the universe and God as someone who or something that did it simply because love. And I like to personify that in characters. To say, though you don't currently love me, or though you don't currently know that this thing in your life has taken you from me, I love you still. Okay, now here's where it gets complex. (laughs) It starts like that. 
And this character is saying, you know, lost in the fire alone. And I feel every heartbeat. You know, there's this, I am, I'm crushed under the weight of this thing. And yet I cannot let you go. I'm not ready to let her go. And she's, you know, she's kind of out there in the night. I can't remember where I was, but there was a storm and I was watching it in the sky. And I just thought so much about how that represented the elusiveness of the ones we love. There's thunder and there's lightning and it, it comes in and out and it disappears. And it's, it's almost like you could chase that in the night, but you'll never catch it. That's what started the song. Now, the song is really two songs. There's the A section where you hear the singer. Again, another one of those weird things, Doug, I guess that I kind of maybe I shouldn't do, but I like is writing songs is you have a first chorus, first chorus. And then what you think is the bridge is actually the second song. And the strings start playing and this sort of echo of lyrics just keeps going on and on and on looping saying, chasing the I can't bring it up in my head now. Do you have the lyric in front of you? You go into a falsetto there. You go into a falsetto. You change the key, Uh right? But it stays in the same key, but it shifts to what's called the minor. So it's the same key, but it it just kind of does the tail. Oh, to the G minor. That's one way of looking at it. No, it's, yeah, it's, it's in B and it goes to G minor. We call that the relative minor. Again, we're getting nerdy here. So it, stay, it seemingly stays the same in the melody. All the melody is using all the same notes, the same seven notes. But when we flip it to a minor key, the canvas, it's literally like taking something on a white canvas and you put it on a black canvas. Sure, sure. The yin-yang of a black and white yin-yang and you're seeing the other part yeah, of it. Yeah, I've never thought about it like that. You can only look at one color at a time in the yin-yang. You can either see the white or the black, but you can't. The human eye is not capable of looking at them both at the same time. You know what's interesting, Doug? That is so cool. And I realized, I, I think without knowing it, I love songs that do that, where you have a character who's looking so... And this song does it. It flips into the other part of the octave, but it sounds like a key change and it's not. And you go falsetto. So you actually change the character of your voice into this falsetto. And you do the same technique of bringing it down, Uh which I love. Bruce, when he would do that, he would yell, band. He would go, band. (laughs) And they would would immediately know to like bring it down, (laughs) right? And and you've heard, you know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, yeah. You've heard him do that, band. And like they they come down and like, the boss is talking, right? Out. (laughs) Yep. But they don't stop. They just bring it down, you know? And then they bring it back up again. And you do that. You know your stuff. That's great. Well, I love this song. I I love your music. Well, on the note of the yin yang, that is really cool because what the song is trying to say is to this guy, what looks like honorable affection, what looks like devotion in the first half of the song is actually obsession in the second half. Fine line between the two. Fine line between devotion and obsession, you know, right? For anybody who's in love. And I thought it was a reference to Robert Frost, Let Her Go, you know. Well, no, it's not a reference to that, but I read a lot of poetry and sometimes I just darn right steal stuff. So maybe I need to go back and make sure I haven't on that one. Chasing the lightning, waiting for the sky to spark. What is the next line there? I can't believe I can't remember my own lyric. 
been a while on that one. <laughs> Chasing the lightning, looking for the sky to spark, knowing the thunder's waiting in the dark. Knowing, knowing the, the thunder's, thunder's waiting in the dark. Waiting for me in the dark. Yeah. So I think that's sort of back to your yin and yang. The lightning represents the hope. I can see her. There she is. But what comes after the lightning? Darkness and thunder. And for me, that represents fear, void. So that's sort of where it is. Well, we got heavy. I want people to know I'm actually a pretty like bright dude. You know, it's like, I'm a good hang. I like to have fun. It's not just heavy stuff. <laughs> and talking with you about these, I go, well, you, you picked all your heavy songs to talk about. And frankly, that's why I wanted to talk about <laughs> Ellie and some of some, so, well, I was like, why did he pick all these heavy songs? Cause the next one is killer eyes. That one has a lot of romanticism to it. I think we're journeying to a sunnier place, hopefully, here. Yeah, we're okay. I was worried for a second, but we're okay. Okay, good. There's never a pure sunshine to your songs. I mean, killer eyes. There are these beautiful eyes, but they're deadly. They're full of weaponry and, you know, threat and killer instinct. You know, they're, they're not like these harmless eyes. No, where, where they come and that, those are autobiographical eyes. Those are my wife's eyes. She has killer eyes. They put an end to me for sure in a good way. She slays you. Uh, Definitely. I think where I kind of meet as a writer is musically. I fell in love with pop music hard. Like I fell hard for pop music. I'm talking radio where some would go, oh my gosh, that's so superficial. Like, I can't believe, you know, your favorite song by the police is Every Breath She Takes. Like, how can you like that one? I'm like, I know, I love them all, but it's an argument between me and my producer that he's like, how can your favorite songs from legendary bands be their hits? That's always everyone's least favorite who loves the true band. Musically, I love pop construction. And that was my mom. My mom listened to a lot of pop, Uh, but my dad read me a lot of poetry, whether it was 
Walt Whitman or Alfred Lord Noyes, or he loved Robert Frost, um, still loves Robert Frost. Those poems like to do that thing I think we're talking about where there's a yes and then there's a but. You know, yes, she's beautiful, but she draws me in with so much heaviness. I don't know. I don't know if that's okay or not yet. So that's the essence of killer eyes. It's it, the sunset is beautiful, I, but I can't look away. I don't know if that's a good thing or not yet though. You know? So yeah. Yeah. Mama always told me not to look into the sights of the sun. That's where the fun is. Um, <laughs> so you open this song with the classic line in some respects, I was wondering if it does come inspired by Al Green and the Talking Heads, take me to the river, throw me in the water, but it's a different like melody completely. And it's a different lyric. I ain't afraid to drown. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm trying to do. You're like really good at this. There's sort of, yeah, there's, there's a Springsteen allusion to the river because I love that song by Springsteen. That's a totally different kind of song. But, you know, the river, quote unquote, the river represents in pop music so frequently the place of escape. Whether it's Al Green, whether it's Springsteen's river. Now, that's, that river is a dark river. They go to escape there, but then they realize it's dried up. Like we've done something here that's now going to affect what we do when we leave and we can't come back. You know, that one, that, that song is heavy. Then you have a song like, you know, Way Down Yonder on the Chattahoochee by Alan Jackson, you know, but he's still got that thing that goes, you know. We had Jim McBride who wrote that song on this show. No Talk about that song. Well, I, I wished we had met before because I would have said, let him know that song kind of changed me as a writer in a huge way. I love how, you know, long story short, there, it's, it's a character in those songs. You know, that river in, in all those ones we mentioned. Yeah. The river is a character. It's a character. So in killer eyes, it's a character. And I'm saying this care, the river basically represents what we're about to get into. This is love. This is infatuation. And I don't know if it's going to be controllable or I don't know if I'm not going to be able to swim and keep my head above water. Either way, you're, you know, you're, you're taking me there. When I started this show, I thought that songwriters who wrote love songs inspired by their muse that might have been their girlfriend, their partner, or their wife, or their husband, or, or their you know, spouse, that when they played those songs for the first time for their loved one and said, honey, I wrote this song for you. Listen to it. It's like, it would be life-changing. And what I have found is that's not been the case. What happened when you played this for your wife the first time? Or I never did. She will not allow me to play songs for her. She will hear them when they release. She does not. Oh my God. I, I don't know. I think it's a little, maybe, I don't want to say intense. Um, it's just, she's, yeah, she just tells me, she's like, I can't hear. And, and she never says, I don't want to hear it. She just always like, oh, oh, it's a little too much tonight. You know, we just, I don't, oh, I don't know if I'm ready to hear it. You know, it's, and because she's a very um, wonderfully emotional person and a beautifully emotional person. So I think it draws all those emotions up. So then I'll make the demo. Hey, babe, will you listen to the demo? Oh, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. And then finally it'll get to like 
we, it's on the record now. I'm like, you want to hear the mix? I'll just, and then finally the song will just come out and she'll go, is this about me? And I'll say, yeah, I wrote it like a year and a half ago, but we never got around <laughs> to listening to it. <laughs> so has she heard this? Does she know Killer yeah. Eyes is about her? Or is she going to oh, yeah. find out on my podcast? Yeah, she heard it and um, it played a real huge role, I think. Uh, 2016. Let's see. We were just about to have our third. So she drove around and just listened to that record on repeat for a long time. And she spoils me with, you know, she tells me it's great and loves to listen to it just because she says it's great music. So yeah, she does love it. But <laughs> when you get in a, like a disagreement or, or like she wants you to do something, does she ever say, don't make me use my killer eyes? <laughs> No, does, does no, she ever she like doesn't. pull that one no, on you? She wouldn't. No, she wouldn't no, do that. she doesn't. Okay. We also never she disagree. Does. Not yet. Yeah, we now know. she knows we how never to do disagree. that. There's no fights or anything. Oh, that's yeah, good. That would never. That's happen, good. Of course. So, can you share with our listeners how to never disagree with your partner I'm in being life? Completely facetious. That we of course disagree. We've been married. Think, yeah, <laughs> well, I years put you on the spot. Three kids. Yeah, because I knew you were lying. <laughs> Speaking of make it look easy, let's make it look easy. Talk about this song that you wrote. Kissing in the morning with your coffee breath Run that AC till I freeze to death Jump alive, it's like fire on my tongue. Going back for seconds when this was done. Must be hard on you, making me fall like you do. Must be hard on Make It Look Easy, I guess, in a way, is a song about transformation, the way that you move from infatuation to moving in with somebody or marrying somebody or joining your lives, is I think what I'm trying to say. You join your lives together. And that comes with a price. <laughs> And when you, when you do that, all of a sudden, all of the things that you got to enjoy on your own time and not enjoy when you didn't want to, you don't have a choice. And they begin to affect you 
I think maturity and wisdom came to me years into marriage when I realized these things that are bothering me, I should say the things that are bothering my wife about me. And I'm talking, you know, maybe some problematic stuff. <laughs> it seems painful, but this is a this is a good thing. She's changing me. She's changing me. Maybe I wasn't the best version of myself when I said yes, or I said I do, or I said, will you marry me? Now that doesn't always, that doesn't hold true only for marriage, but that was the context I decided to set these two characters. And the first lines, uh, you kiss me in the morning with your coffee breath. I, I'm trying to describe an instance where you, you know, is that a good or a bad thing? I don't know. You know, like that, that, oh God, you can't, you know, somebody's got coffee breath is terrible. But at the same time, once that happens for a long enough time, you know, I might be on the road or something or I'm traveling and I don't have that experience. Not that my wife has coffee breath, but you miss it. Why is that? Why do I miss the things that used to bother me? I just, so the song was kind of a bit of a Rorschach or an experiment or a question going, I think this has an interesting story to tell about who we are, where these things that I would have never wanted to marry someone, if you listed out, they do these things. And yet it's because you do these things that I love you so much now. Um, it's a funny thing. You know, I have to say that this, in my mind, is a male perspective song <clears throat> because there's one line in here that just kills me because it's so true in my own life. Lately, you have been throwing away my favorite shirts. <laughs> okay. My wife wants to go through my lousy wardrobe all the time. And if I go like on a business trip, I come home and my shirts are gone. Oh, and like... And I would say something like, let's let the laundry try to fold itself. Like my wife would never think that like, you know, like, by the way, she might say the laundry doesn't fold itself. Like it doesn't like what? <laughs> I thought, how else did it get folded in all my drawers? I thought it did that automatically. Oh no, you do it. Uh, oh, I see how this works, you know. But I, I don't mean to be sexist on this show, but I, I do feel like this is sort of things that guys think about that that women like do sometimes in sexist roles and guys take for granted and that you at least put it in a song so to tell your wife that you're not taking her for granted and I, you know, hopefully she's grateful and will give you some killer eyes. Yeah, no, it, <laughs> well, I want to say, and you know, these, I, I'm talking... Uh, this this song is not rooted in I mean I I don't even know if my wife's ever cooked. Actually, I think the only line that's autobiographical is she cooks very spicy food. And for about it literally took me about five years before I could eat and eat with comfort. <laughs> and now I can't not it took you five years to tell her you don't like spicy food as much as she likes cooking it. I mean, I'm not if she's <laughs> cooking, you can't I'm not gonna say, you know, hey, don't cook. Like she, it just, she'd tone it at a long story short. I have acclimated 
and I can't not eat spicy food now. I just have to have it. Everything else is pretty fictitious. I wanted a song that romanticized it. And, you know, I don't think you're being sexist. I think, you know, for the most part, not every time, you know, men relate to women in a certain way. And this guy is relating to this woman saying, you've changed everything about me. I never wanted someone to change about me. And you make it look easy. (laughs) And I love you for it. I can't believe it. So my wife and I moved from California to Utah, from the beach to the mountains. And it was two weeks before our move. And she said to me, you realize we have to sell all of our furniture and get new furniture. And I was like, we're moving. Like, don't we just get a van and put the furniture in the van? And and, and she said, no, we have beach furniture and we need mountain furniture. And I said, there's a difference. Of course, Doug. Because I'm a guy. I didn't know like that, that, that there's such a thing as beach furniture and mountain furniture. Like, who would know? And so we had to do that. And I called my dad up and he said, your spouse is going to change the furniture on you if you stay married long enough, three or four or five times in your life. And you just have to accept it. Sure. And you, and you can't explain it. And I think it's true with your clothing too, if you're a guy. And my wife wants to change all my clothing. You see how badly dressed I am look great. on my own show. Like... I need I need a clothing sponsor for my show. Doug, she's please. a lucky woman. She's a lucky woman. Oh, I I am a lucky guy to have her. I gotta say, she's very 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 good to me. She was a lifeguard at the local water parks, swimming pool. Sold cigarettes to the rich girls that are at the school Ocean blue eyes straight off the coast of Maine And a smile steal your heart Curves like a work of art Gliding down the boulevard Hey boys, here comes my Here's one of my favorite songs. They're like children, right? You know, to say which song is your favorite. But this one, I got the the sneak peek on. It's called Hurricane. Oh, I'm glad you like it. I love, love, love this song. I hope you release it as a single. Um, I think it's got real radio potential to it. And uh, I hope radio picks it up for you. Because this is a really well-written storytelling song by a great songwriter. Just start to finish. Tell me about it. Tell me about what, what's okay, behind this. Okay, yeah. Um, there's a lot to tell. I um, Again, I like love stories that are a little too messy for comfort. This is a very sexual song, okay? These are underage, two underage 
people who are running around and uh, mom and dad don't know about it. And she's a hurricane and that's it. And I, I'm not trying to say in the song, go break the rules. I, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is if you try to put love in a box of rules, it will defy you. It, it, it will. It has to do seemingly reckless things, not reckless, seemingly reckless things in my individual eyes because it's, it's powerful. So that's who this girl, you know, this girl is, you know, and, and it starts, she's a lifeguard. <laughs> she's there to help people, but not really. She's selling cigarettes at the, at the swimming pool to these rich girls, you know, and that I have no idea how I, that came to me, but I was just like, okay, yeah, there we go. And then uh, ocean blue eyes straight off the coast of Maine. You know, there's that admiration again. Smile to steal your heart. Curves like a work of art. There's a reason he loves her. Gliding down the boulevard. Here she comes, my little hurricane. He gets pulled into it. The second verse is actually based again on, uh, I'm stealing a little from some poetry. A guy named Alfred Lord Noyes wrote a poem called The Highwayman. It's a different story, but in the poem, the highwayman comes riding for his love and she's braiding a love knot into her dark red hair. And I love that braid scenario. And so that's kind of what she's doing. And he picks her up and she hops out the window and off they go into the night to, you know, discover love. Her dad finds him <laughs> with a shotgun and uh, they kind of escape by the skin of their teeth. Hearts get caught in a hurricane is the chorus. Even, even hearts get caught in a hurricane. And of course, she, she breaks his heart. She moves on to another scenario of wreck, you know, what, what she's moving toward. But I don't think he regrets it. And that's sort of what he expresses in the last, last verse is that, you know, she, her name, it still sings like my favorite song. Yeah, I don't think he ever forgot about this sort of, this sort of high school love, you know, you never forget about your high school loves, right? And that feels like this high school love sort of thing. And over the years, they actually become this real positive memory, even though at the time, you know, your heart might have been broken or you might have broken another heart, you know. So I think my, my whole, the whole thing I'm trying to talk about is we always talk about right and wrong. Okay. Hey, you shouldn't do this. You should do this, all that stuff. The point is you can't help, but do things you shouldn't do when you're young even, or when you're old, you can't help it. Go try to be in love perfectly. Write me that book, please. So when people hear these songs that I write and they're like, well, are you writing a song about high school kids hooking up by what did you, did you live your life perfectly? No, of course not. That's what's so cool about life is that when you look back, somehow God wet, wove that whole broken little scenario into beauty for you or for the person you love or something. And that's, that's hurricane, you know? Um, but, uh, so yeah, man, I'm glad you dug the tune. Oh, I love this song. I hope it goes to the top of the charts for you. Um, so Caden Kaufman, this has been 
terrific to have you on the show. I ask one standard question. You don't have to answer it if you don't think it's appropriate, but out of all the songs you've ever written, if you could have any voice record any song that you've ever written, what voice and what song would you pick? Oh, wow. That is awesome. Okay. Well, I can't, I I get this. I got to splinter my answer into two short ones simply because I love Springsteen so much. Um, I would love for him to cover, I mean, you know, uh, he can kind of take his pick, honestly. <laughs> so that's one answer. We'll leave it at that. If, if, if Bruce ever heard one, it was like, hey, man, I did get to meet him. I alluded at that when I went, I went to this book signing. He signed the book. He gave it to me. He was like, hey, little brother. He called me little brother. So he's like, hey, little brother, can I, can I use the wounded heart? I'd be like, yeah, boss. Sounds good. But the second um, I'm a huge Nora Jones fan, massive Nora Jones fan. I think she has a unique voice, capital V voice. I think she has a unique voice, lowercase. I just love her music. I love the, the production. And she has a record that she did with Jakir King. And then she has one she did with Danger Mouse. It's her third and fourth records that she did. And if she did Magician, I'd buy that on vinyl in a heartbeat. That would be very cool. So speaking of your vinyl, your album, Hard Times, is coming out. Let's make sure we give that a plug. Now, this has artwork from Jay Genevieve. Tell me about that artwork and what people can get by buying your merchandise. So I discovered Jay Genevieve, an artist who lives in Central Texas, and it, it would be a, a disservice to call her a photographer because although she does approach art through the camera, uh, she takes her photos and just makes incredibly powerful pieces. You can look her up on Instagram. It would be underscore, you know, the line, j.genevieve. Or you can just go to my stuff. You'll see the artwork and click on her handle somewhere. Um, but I just found her on an Instagram stumble upon and I found her artwork and I reached out and I said, you have to do the artwork for my songs. And I would like to commission an individual piece for each song. And I want you to go listen to the songs. I don't want you to, I'm not going to tell you what to do. And I want you to make an individual piece for every song. So here's the catch. Not only did she do that, but the album cover is all 10 of them somehow artistically molded together. And if you look close enough on the vinyl or the CD, it's a little harder to see on its screen. You can see, oh, there's the one for Magician. Oh, there's the one for Wounded Heart. And Because it was my desire in these songs, we, I want to tell these stories visually. So if, yeah, if you go look at Magician, it is, it's a haunting picture, you know, and she specializes in black and white. And that's sort of where I was resonating. Wounded Heart is beautiful. She's talented. Of course, you'll see the artwork and the merchandise. I'd love for people to go visit my website and pre-order the vinyl or pre-order the CD. It comes out June 18. Yeah. Anything else you want to give a plug for here? How about your school? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess two small plugs. One would be uh, I hit the road again in July. So July 10 will be my first show back. We're excited. It'll be a full capacity show. 
at Main Street Crossing. If people are in Texas, I'll be visiting Austin and Dallas and San Antonio. So if you like the music, stay in touch on Instagram. That's my best one. Email lists are fine. You know, Facebook, I'm kind of on there, but mostly Instagram. Second, though, is I have a school in Northwest Houston uh, called Rehearsal Room. What Rehearsal Room does is it starts students at basic lessons, but we get them recording in about a month or two, even at a very young basic level. And they enter lessons, then we match them in a four to five person band that gets mentored. Then they start recording and they record every single week and they put out a single every four months and perform a show. So it's this sort of, people have heard of schools kind of like School of Rock, that kind of thing. It's not really an activity-based center. This is a real mentorship program. And we have a blast. We got about 100 kids. And you can go look up you know, the rehearsal room <laughs> on Spotify. You'll hear these kids covering The Cure, covering Nirvana, Nine Inch Nails, and putting their own spin on it. And I should also say, half of the songs on there are theirs. They are writing songs at 13, recording them, getting them mixed, getting them mastered. I mean... If I had had what these kids had, I'd be a billionaire by now. Probably not. (laughs) So that's rehearsal room. Thanks for asking. Hey, Keaton Kaufman. This has been truly a pleasure. I got to thank you for coming on Backstory Song. I got to thank our sound engineer, DJ Wyatt Schmidt. You can listen to his recordings out there on Twitch and other media. MC Owens and Lauren, our social media directors. I have to thank my new special favorite guest, Travis Kelly, for listening to our show. Travis, you know we love you, and thank you for being a Patreon and a fan. We love having you on our show, as well as Fiona. Thank you for liking us on Instagram all the time. We love us. Love our followers on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're out there posting away. We've got some big news coming up. Travis, Keaton, we uh, we are starting a TV show. Oh, congratulations. You're going to be on it. Well, I'm but awesome. That's, that's for another episode. Right. That's my tease for the day. Thank you for listening to Backstory Song.